So the scripture reading today is from John 15, verses 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is, that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Word of the Lord. All right, um, let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for time together here on a Sunday morning, worshiping you, being outdoors. This can remind us of just how great you are, how big you are. To focus our, our hearts on your word and whatever you want us to hear, would this be a time of communion with Christ Jesus? In his name we pray, amen. Uh, so this sermon that I want to share with you today has just come out of my own uh, personal time of reflection, meditation in the Word. Um, and it's interesting what the Lord uses to get your hold of a passage, kind of focus your attention on it. Um, I don't know if any of you have been feeling like uh, a little discouraged, maybe a little um, downhearted, uh, but that's certainly something that I've been wrestling with for probably last year, year and a half. And um, just kind of as I was thinking and reflecting on Cornerstone, right? Like we, we launched in 2015 and I think that first year we were like, we went from 38 core members to 80 members and it was just amazing. And that was just a great percentage to be like, we grew by 80%. I don't know the actual math. Um, but then after that, it's been challenging, right? Every year, um, you know, we tried the Saturday thing, didn't seem to work so well. And um, we moved to Sundays. And actually last fall of 2019, like you could see some kind of numerical growth as an organization, right? We're growing. And then this little thing called COVID happened in March 2020. Uh, and it's been a struggle since then, right? Just how do we get together as a church? Even like, like how do we get together? Like, how do we gather has become an issue, right? Like challenges we sort of took for granted, right? Just being able to gather, to worship together, to sing. Now it's like, well, you got to wear a mask. You're not going to wear a mask. You got to join us online or we got to be outside. You got to move all the chairs out. And uh, that's been a struggle, a struggle. So organizationally, it's been uh, challenging and discouraging to me. Uh, and then sometimes we see a lot of people show up, and sometimes we see very few. Uh, and then I was, I was talking with another pastor this week, two other pastors at a local church, uh, and I guess he'd been talking with some other pastors, and many of them were saying, like, at an organizational level, like at a bigger picture, it's pretty discouraging, right? Uh, low attendance, um, finances can be very difficult, um, 
and it can be just discouraging. But then if you look at like the individual inter interactions, relationships, there's fruit. Like God is at work in people. Uh, and that's kind of how I feel too, right? Like I, I see God working. <laughs> I see God moving. That doesn't necessarily reflect into this bigger, multiplying, booming church. But I see God working in your lives, uh, being faithful in hardship and trial. Uh, but just for myself, kind of going through this perhaps dry season, I was, I was reading through, um, so Nathan Willems, the pastor over at Chinese Bible Church, I was reading through his doctorate of ministry papers. We've been reading each other's papers. Uh, and there's just like this one little line that caught my attention. And it was something about like, fruitfulness comes from knowing Christ. Uh, I don't know if that's the exact words, but that was sort of the intention behind it. Uh, and then it said, John 15, verses 4 through 5. And typically when you read like a sermon or a paper or a book, you don't always stop and like look at the Bible passages. But this one got my attention. I was like, I want to be fruitful in ministry, especially in this dry season of COVID and feeling discouraged. Like, how do we get that fruit? Like, where's the key? Where's the, where's the clue? And so I opened up my Bible Turn to the New Testament, to the Gospel of John, and I read these verses. Uh, and as I read them to you, as you hear them, you know, if, if you've been feeling spiritually dry or um, discouraged or frustrated or like a failure, maybe we can reorient our eyes on like, well, what, what, what can bring fruit? How can we experience fruit in a, in a desert? Verses 4 and 5 of John chapter 15 say this. Abide in me, and I in you. This is Jesus. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples the night before he dies. Okay? This is the night before he's crucified. He's speaking to his disciples. But I also think he's speaking to you and me. If you want, it, you want fruit, listen up. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. All right, we're going through the season of dryness, discouragement, maybe in your personal life, whatever situation you're going through, maybe at your job or your, uh, your, your relationships, friendships, marriage, uh, you know, significant others. You want to see fruit in those? Abide in Christ. Jesus doesn't really define what the fruit is in this passage. You know, if we look kind of around the scriptures, we see some clues. Typically when we want maybe like relational fruit, like you're like, oh, I want a great relationship with my, you know, husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend, right? That's the kind of fruit we want. <laughs> but what type of fruit does God want? 
What type of fruit is he interested in growing? Galatians chapter 5, 22 through 23 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. I don't think this is a comprehensive list. I think it's representative. In other words, it's like a taste. It's like a little bite into the apple. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against, against such things there is no law. So these are the kind of fruit that God is interested in bringing forth in our lives. I also think that he's interested in, in kind of those other fruits, repentance, coming to faith in Christ, growing in your faith, sharing your faith with others, living for Christ in every part of your life. I think these are also fruits. I don't know what the best way to describe fruit as is outside of just like your whole life is being lived for the Lord. And you are being changed to be more like Christ. You are being changed to love Christ more than to be loved by Christ. To experience that love. To know Christ and to be known by him. And that's maybe not the kind of fruit we were hoping for, right? <laughs> like the fruit I'm kind of hoping for is like more numbers, better giving. Everything works. Everyone's getting along. Maybe part of that will be the fruit. Maybe the fruit is that God wants to give you greater self-control. <laughs> oh, no. I don't want that fruit. I don't want gentleness. I don't really want to be faithful. I just want things my way. Have you guys ever seen a vine? Thought I'd show you a vine today. Wow. Brought a nice vine. Hope we can get a good shot of that on the, the live stream. So we have some uh, actual Concord, 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 Concordian. Uh, grapes here on this vine. Um, they grow. I didn't have to do anything for this. Like, I didn't realize that this was growing within 500 feet of my ho my house for like four or five years. It was last year due to the, the pandemic. I was walking around the parking lot, and uh, actually I think it was Monica who pointed them out. And she said the first thing that she noticed to get her attention on these grapes was the smell. She could smell the, the grapes, conquered grapes. She's going to take one. Doing okay, Lucas? Would you like some? <laughs> I have a whole bowl here. You can come have these. You want to come get it? Thank you. These were in my fridge all week. So inspect them before you eat them. And anyone who else wants to participate can at your own risk. I didn't grow those. My Croatian grandmother grew those in her yard. Uh, making jellies and stuff this week. 
want us to think about this for a moment though. Like I didn't, I didn't have to force these grapes. They grew because this vine was connected to it as a vine system to the soil it was naturally growing. Like the water was coming down. The sun was shining on it. God was producing grapes in my own backyard, with very little effort. As a pastor, I tend to spend a lot of time trying to figure out, like, how can I get the grapes to grow? Grow grapes, grow. (laughs) Just like wanting them to grow. Wanting to see lives changed by Christ. And I can't control it at all. Can't do anything. I've realized that I am absolutely powerless to grow grapes. Maybe a better vine dresser could maybe a better vine worker could but i can't the bible does tell us about a better vine dresser doesn't it (laughs) if you go back up to verse one it says i am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser you know what vine dressers do they take care of the vine by snipping it so I brought a snipper today. Uh, we have two of these in my house, so I don't know if it's this one or the other one um, that has a little bit of a reputation in my house because I was walking up the cellar, my house, and I was trying to get like this hose and knocked this thing off and it sliced my leg. Uh, and that's when I went to the hospital for, got stitches a couple years ago. I posted that on Facebook without texting my mom beforehand. It was not a good idea. Um, I survived. Look at these things, right? Like this could take off your finger. This could take off a toe. This is an intense piece of machinery. And God's like, I have one of these in your life, and I use it on you. I clip things in your life that aren't good for you. I clip relationships. I clip pride. I clip ego. I clip success. I clip the affirmation of others. I clip whatever I see in your life that's doing you no good, even if you like it, even if you think it's a good thing. In fact, I watched, uh, so I'm not an expert vine grower by any means, but I watched a YouTube video from a vine dresser on growing grapes this week. And one of the things he said is that the reason that you clip some of the branches off, right? So we could go ahead and do a live action demonstration, right? I could clip this little, I am not the vine dresser. Right. One of the reasons you clip things is to allow for sunlight to the other leaves. Right? We get too crowded. We get things in our life. Maybe we can even get too fruitful, right? Like you can actually get this thing called over overgrowth. Like there's too many grapes. And that can attract critters, you can get diseases, and just you can create unhealth in the plant. So God comes into our life, and sometimes he clips things that we think is fruit. (laughs) 
we think is good. Have you ever done that into your life? Something that you think, man, this is great. <laughs> I really feel like a good Christian. Or, man, my life is really excelling. My life is really succeeding. And God comes in and he clips it because he wants you to know him. He doesn't want any other idols in your life. He just wants you to know his heart. Now, that's painful. Like, a clipper's sharp. The only person who carries the shears on a vineyard is the vine dresser. Because he knows what he's doing. Your Heavenly Father knows what he is doing when he clips you, when he prunes you, and when he cuts you. And it is painful, and it hurts, but God has the long-term, abundant, fruitful plan in his mind for what he's doing. We just want, like, the fruit to be here today. I didn't know about this fruit in my yard for five years. And then the Lord was like, you need something to do during COVID. Here are these grapes. And it took me like a year. Like the first year, I really wouldn't eat them. I see Luke, Lucas is chowing down. Uh, I wouldn't eat them because I thought it was weird. Because I like fruit that comes in like a plastic bag. Because that's more no natural. <laughs> right? I like fruit that's been like touched by human hands, but then sprayed down with pesticides to clean it from the human hands, bagged put on a grocery, you know, counter, preferably no seeds. That's the kind of fruit I like. But this fruit's like way more interesting. And it's kind of tardy. And there's like these seeds that you, you might choke on, so it's kind of risky. <laughs> you can make jam out of it. You can make little jam bars out of it, jello bars. Are all things that are happening at my house due to no effort on my part. It's amazing what God can do. We'll just let Him. We'll just seek to abide in Him. Abide in Christ. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So how many of us are connected to the vine? Are we taking that time to connect to the, to the vine dresser, to the Father? Are we connecting to Christ? Maybe we've even, you know, got so excited we bore a little bit of fruit. So we're like, okay, good, I got my fruit, I can go do it my way now. Do you think that branch is ever going to bear fruit again? It's kind of a bummer, because that was like, I could reach it in the parking lot. So now the grapes are even higher. That branch is going to wither and die because it has separated itself from the vine. You know, and I felt a little bit of that little spiritual dryness, right? A little spiritual withering. Have you? Am I the only one here who feels that? We need to connect to the vine. 
John 17, 3, so he ends kind of his his speech here. So this is the, the final discourse. It says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. They know Jesus Christ. They know, they know the Father. This is eternal life, that you would know the Father and that you would know Jesus. Do you know him? Do you want to experience that eternal, like abundant, fruitful life? I do. That's what I want. Well, not that. <laughs> I want that. I want to be connected to the, the, the branches. I want to be in the soil. I want to be bearing fruit because I am, I am receiving the life of Christ. So the story of the Bible starts in a garden, right? Genesis chapter 2, second chapter of the Bible. And in that garden, there are two trees. Now, there's probably a lot more trees than that, but there are two trees of note. There's the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I, I post a video from the Bible Project about the tree of life getting a lot of this stuff from them. You can watch it this week if you want. This tree of life was not just like this magical, mystical tree. It was meant to like represent God's presence in the garden among his people. Right? The Garden of Eden was actually sort of a temple, a place where God dwelled, a place where God lived. And so when Adam and Eve could come to the tree, they could come to this tree of life and eat of its fruit, they were coming to God. They were coming to the source of all life. And just like being nurtured by him, feeding on him, seeking to know him and be known by him. But they had another choice, right? They could choose to try to live life apart from the vine. A different tree. The tree of doing it your own way. <laughs> the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God, I want to be like you. I want to determine what is right and what is wrong. I want to do things my way. And what did Adam and Eve do? Well, instead of choosing the tree of life, the abundant life where they could know and experience God's grace, they chose doing it their way. Maybe it was very practical to do it their way. You know, maybe the fruit was a little bit lower. It sure looked good, right? It was pleasing to the eye. So when they took that fruit, they were symbolically saying, God, I'm going to do my life my way. I'm going to do life separate from you. And there's just been so much pain and so much death and so much suffering since then. No longer are we connected to that tree. But here's the good news. Here's the gospel. <laughs> you ready for it? John chapter 1, verse 14 says this, And the word... This is God's word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. You know what that means? It means God took on human flesh and he like made a new temple, dwelt. This is the word for tabernacle, right? God dwelt among us. In other words, a living, breathing tree of life came to live and walk among us in this world. Jesus, in John chapter 15, is identifying himself as the tree of life. I am the true vine. 
As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So we have opportunity. Like maybe, maybe sometimes you fantasize. You're like, I what would it be like to live in the Garden of Eden, right? Like I'd probably choose to elect, like elect to wear clothes. Most of us probably would. But like, man, wouldn't it be great to go back to the garden so we could have that tree of life and not screw it up like Adam and Eve? <laughs> they were perfect, by the way. They didn't have sin. You do. Well, we have a chance to go to the garden and to receive the fruit of Christ Jesus just by spending time with him, by knowing him, by abiding in him. And the cool thing is, like, when we do that, we begin to, like, bear this supernatural fruit. We don't actually know if, like, the, 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 the I think I've called it apples. Like, we don't know if it was an apple. <laughs> Could have been any type of fruit. Maybe on the, on the fruit of the tree of life, there was, like, all sorts of different fruits. All different kinds. But we get to go, and when we connect to Christ, we begin to like bear that eternal fruit um, that feeds people, begins to bring the healing. And actually, if you look at the end of Revelation, what do you see? You see a tree of life again, a stream running through it, just like there was in Eden. There were streams, rivers. And so we're kind of caught in between that tree and the eternal tree, the, the eternal tree and like the garden tree. And there's only one tree that can set it right, right? And that's the cross. The, 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 the tree of life offered himself up as a living sacrifice. It says to be hung on a tree is to become cursed. He became a curse for us so that we could enter back into the garden. So that we could somehow begin to be a part of this fruit-bearing life, to know Christ, to be known by Christ. And it's so easy to become infatuated with the things that we want of this world. <laughs> and the, the trick is, like, we can't say, oh, okay, I'm going to really press into Christ so that I can get the thing I want. Bernie preached about the prodigal son last week, right? That's what the prodigal son did. He said, I want your inheritance. I don't really want you. Both of them said that. That's, that doesn't work that way. We can't want, <laughs> want Christ for the things he'll give us. We have to want Christ for Christ. And don't you want to know the one who laid down his life for you? Who sacrificed it all so that you could go back to the garden, actually a new and better garden than I do. You know, we can do that through prayer. I hope, like a lot of people want to come to prayer next week because it's not, like, it's not meant to be like this guilt trip, but like, you better pray more. Like, it's like, no, this is an opportunity for us as a church to gather and to know Christ together. Verse 7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This, this call to have the word of God abide in us. Like this, this right here, coming before the word, like coming and, and reading the scripture and letting it sink into our hearts, that's part of abiding in Christ. Some of us are so good at studying our Bibles, and that's great because that's an opportunity to abide in Christ. Just make sure that when you read your Bible, you're seeking to know the one who put those words on the pages. Know the one through the words. Right? What is he trying to tell you? What, is, what, what can you pray back in response to the words? 
through prayer, right? Ask whatever you wish. Well, if God's word, if his, his nature is sort of transforming you from the inside out because you're connecting to him, you're going to begin to ask for things that are a little bit different, right? Lord, help me love my enemies. <laughs> Lord, help me give generously. Lord, help me be faithful and present even when it's really hard. It can be painful. Be open to the pruning of the Father. And then we need to abide in community. Like this passage, it says, you, you, you abide, you know, you abide in me. You know what it's really saying? It's saying, y'all, y'all, y'all abide in me. And I'll, I'll abide in y'all. Jesus was Southern. <laughs> community is so important. You know, and I don't know if we've ever really been all that great at community here at Cornerstone. We're working on it. I think we have like these good times and these sort of challenging times. I think COVID has been especially challenging. One of the ways we know Christ is through this messy fellowship of people coming together to try to love God and love each other. And this is a special request. If you've been watching the service online for the last year and a half, you need to be present as much as you can. Right? And that's why we're doing services outside so that people feel safe to come. Because we know in just a couple weeks that the frost is going to come, the vine is going to wither, we're all going to have to either go inside or go back home. So take advantage of like this beautiful day to worship together, to abide in community. And, you know, this men's campfire, and I know, I'm sure we'll do another like lunch at the Bradshaws. Let's do that again. Let's abide in community because that's one of the ways we know Christ too. Community prayer, being open to the pruning of the Father. <sighs> Are there other ways that we can abide in Christ? Anything popped in anyone's mind? This is not a rhetorical question. What other ways can we abide in Christ as a church community, a church family? Is that it? Those are the ways. Praying together. That's right, praying together. Setting God's word together. What's that? Serving together. That's right. Have you ever been to like a vineyard where there was one vine? <laughs> like, welcome to my vineyard. There's one vine here. No, like the vines come together, right? There's lots of vines. Come together. We grow together. Um, we feed others together, right? You can take the grapes off. You can feed people. You can make raisins. You can make wine. You enrich the soil together. We don't want to forsake this, right? Because when we do forsake it, like the, the, the branch withers and it's thrown to the ground and it's burned, right? Like, so the other alternative is like we go and we go and we do our own thing. And actually the, the branches and the vines that fall off, that get clipped, they have to be taken away and burned. Otherwise vermin get into them and insect and it creates an infection, right? And so if we're not connecting to Christ, we can become pretty unhealthy and actually be bad for the vine sort of a bummer of a way to end. I don't really want to end that way. 
I was going to ask John to play a song. I don't know if there's a way for me to play the song. The Sower's Song. This is what we're going to do. No internet connection. Hold on. This is called uh, Andrew Peterson. I've really been jamming on him because he um, preaches a lot about, he sings a lot about resurrection, right? So it's touching me personally in this time. Are you able to pull up like YouTube on there? It's called The Sower's Song, Andrew Peterson. We're going to listen to this and then we'll have the worship team come up. You don't know how to broadcast it? Okay. Well, go online and try again. Hold on. One, one, 30 seconds. If I can't get it in 30 seconds, we'll take that as a sign from the Holy Spirit that we need to be done. <laughs>
Lord, we need you. We need you, Lord. We need to abide in Christ. Lord, just like the song sings, we want to see fruit. We want to see the harvest. And we can't do it. Only Christ through us, and we just want to know him. Help us know the sower. Jesus, lead us. But he bear fruit in our life that we can hardly imagine. Amen.